We are doing this battleship series um, in the church, which Duncan kicked off a couple of weeks ago, um, and um, talking about these various ships, leadership, membership, fellowship this week, and partnership, and uh, that's where we've got to. And, um, you know, it struck me because I posted on Facebook the talk from last week about membership. Some of you might remember it. Anybody remember anything about that talk? One or two nods, yeah, okay, good. Um, if not, you can watch it on video, okay, so you're okay with that. Um, but somebody commented on my Facebook post when I posted it and said, hmm, church member, not a term I ever see in the Bible. And I thought, okay, you know, let's think about that for a minute. Well, obviously, if we talk about the Trinity, the Trinity is not in the Bible either. This doesn't mean it's necessarily a non-biblical concept. But I thought, you know, we do have reference to outsiders, several times in the New Testament, as well as reference to those inside and a reference to expelling somebody for really bad things. So clearly there is a concept of membership that's clearly there. You've got insiders and outsiders and expelling people who don't qualify and so on. So membership is there and I think it's valid to talk about membership in the church. And when we get on to fellowship, well there's plenty of actual references, use of the word fellowship in the Bible. Um, so we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, yeah, just kind of two um, broad points today. Uh, what is fellowship and characteristics of fellowship? So we'll just um, get into it. And if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to Acts chapter 2 because we're going to spend most time in that passage um, today. What is fellowship? Well, the Greek word for this one is koinonia. Um, and um, it means... Because it's not a word we use outside of Christian ministry. It's not a word we use outside of church, really, fellowship. It's kind of a word we only really use of church. And so, you know, what does it mean? Well, it does mean sharing. Sharing your life, sharing things. Or community. Kind of being part of a community is part of what this word means. Or participating in something. Participating, sharing. Same kind of idea, you get that. Or communion. The word for communion is the same kind of word, koinonia. And that's used, and that's kind of sharing in something, sharing in the body and blood of Jesus and so on. And it comes from this word koine, which means common. So it's kind of about having things in common, having something in common with other people. And it says there, 1 John 1, 7, we have fellowship with one another, which means we share things. We have in common, we have community, we have communion, we, have, we participate, we share, we have fellowship is the word. Um, with one another. And that's what um, God wants us to have. And, you know, we can think sometimes, what makes a church different from a club? Some of you might be members of a club of some kind. Could be a book club or a golf club or a chess club or political something or discussion club of some kind. What makes church different? Is it different? from a club where people might turn up and be sociable and, and have some common interest and discuss it and talk about it. Is it different? How is a church different from a kind of hobby? Because, you know, a lot of my, you know, non-Christian friends and non-Christian colleagues when I worked in that area would have thought of church as kind of like another hobby, just another hobby. Someone else would go to the golf club and I'll go to the church on Sunday. So, you know, that's, you know, Golf is their passion and church is my passion and, 
and they would see it that way. But what's different about church in that? Well, obviously, church is spiritual, right? And you've got prayer, and you've got a spiritual uh, relationship and, sp and a common spiritual spirituality, and there should be spiritual things going on, as there are um, in church. But also, this word, fellowship. Fellowship. And it's, it's got to be something deeper, hasn't it, than a social club that you might go along to where you would build relationships and friendships. Fellowship's got to be something deeper than that, hasn't it, really? It's got to be something more tangible than that, something more meaningful than that. And that's kind of what makes church different. And church really needs to be something like a community. Family is kind of another alternative word, but community Fellowship, community, same kind of idea. And the idea really is you can't, you just can't be a Christian on your own. You just can't do it. You need relationship. You need fellowship. You need people who will, you know, participate in your own growth, in your own fellowship, in your own spiritual life and pray with you and pray for you and you pray for them and you share with them and you share what's happening in your life and they share what's happening in their life at a spiritual level, not just at a social level. How is your prayer life going? You know, what is God doing in your life at the moment? What answers to prayer have you seen? Let's celebrate those answers to prayer. Let's keep praying for those things we're not seeing. That's kind of fellowship. It's that kind of depth of relationship that it's talking about here. So let's get into Acts chapter 2. Um, So Acts chapter 2, verse um, 42 to 47. Um, and I've highlighted some words there um, for you to see. But let me just read the passage out um, here from my Bible. Acts chapter 2, 42 onwards. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. So you see there, just in that first verse, there's four things there. Four key things for the early church, right? They're not the only things that church had. We talked about characters of church last week. These four key things, apostles' teaching, number one. So um, fellowship, there's that word koinonia. That's the word there. Breaking bread, number three. And prayers, number four. By the way, there's some debate about what breaking bread means in this context. Does it mean communion, like we've just been having today? Or does it mean just having a meal and uh, sharing a meal together? Well, I think it's sharing a meal. I'll come on to why in a minute. You know? But um, there is some debate about that. And, and um, So you have these four key things. And then the passage goes on to sort of expound on each of those things in order there, as I sort of highlighted um, on that slide there. So verse 43, an awe came on every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So you see the link there back to the apostles and the apostles' teaching. And um, they've got all these wonders and signs and miracles, no doubt healings and so on, which is validating the teaching and encouraging people in the teaching that the apostles are giving there. And so they're seeing confirmation, they're seeing answers to prayer, they're seeing things happen um, in what they do there. And then you've got, and um, the next verse, verse 44. All who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And there's that word koina, which is um, the root word as koinonia, sharing. You see, having things in common is very important to them at this point. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. So clearly the sharing here includes financial sharing and giving and uh, physical things that they're giving and sharing amongst each other as other people need and have need of them. And, um, and then verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So in, their, in each other's homes, notice that, in each other's homes, right? They're, they're, so they're not kind of just meeting in some other public place. They're meeting in each other's homes. That's intimate setting. That's getting to know you. When you go into someone's home, you learn something about what they're like and, and the kind of things they value and the kind of things that they think are important. And they're breaking bread. And because it says they received their food with glad and generous hearts, I think that means they're eating a meal, don't you? Okay, it's, I don't think it's communion in a sense. I think they're actually eating a meal together because they're They've got glad and generous hearts about the food that they're eating. I like food as well. Does anyone else like food here? Um, so they're having meals together. And that's kind of, this is also sharing, really. So you see the emphasis here is, is teaching, fellowship, that's kind of sharing, breaking bread, that's sharing as well, and then prayer. And uh, that's obviously spiritual. And then you've got the reference to praising God, verse 47, which is also a form of prayer. Praising God and having favour with all the people. And, and then it goes on to say the last clause there, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And it's kind of like they were doing these four things, and it's almost like as long as they're doing those four things, then people are going to come, people are going to be attracted, and people were being attracted to this group, to this new fledgling community, to the early church, through the teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread, which is sharing again, and the prayers and the worship that they were doing, praise that they were doing. People that I want to be part of that. I want, I want in on that. You know, there's obviously the miracles as well that's happening there. And people were joining them. And it's kind of, if you do these four things, teaching, and that gives you something to unite around, by the way. You need something to unite around. So uniting around the teaching, this is the things they believe. This is what the Bible says. This is what the apostles are teaching about Jesus from the Bible, and that, that time it would have been the Old Testament is what they were using. They're uniting around the teaching and agreeing with that, and then they're sharing their lives together and sharing their food and other possessions together, and then um, praying and praising and worshiping God, and the result is they're growing. They're growing. And you see, this passage, this description of the early church comes straight after the day of Pentecost which you may remember, okay, uh, which is, comes earlier in the chapter, in chapter 2. And in fact, the, the very previous verse um, says, uh, verse 41, those who received the word were baptised. That's after the first sermon in the church. And they were added to that day 3,000 souls. So about 3,000 people became Christians in one day. And they all got baptised straight away. And... Um, and so, you know, the church is brand new, right? They've got 3,000 people joining. And what are they doing when they start off there? They're doing this teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, sharing again, and praying and worshipping. And that's what they're doing. And, if and it's worth stepping back, though, early in the passage. Here we are. 
Um, this is what the group was like, okay? This is what the original church was like uh, when you think about who was in this group. Um, so let's read um, verses 5 to 13 of chapter 2, stepping back. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? <coughs> and how is it <coughs> that we hear each one in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking them said they're filled with new wine. And at that point, Peter got up and spoke and preached this amazing sermon and 3,000 people became Christians in that one day. But you see the diversity of people, all these different people from all these different nations. And in fact, if you look at it there, um, it's every direction, right? All these people from all these different directions. You've got Jerusalem in the middle there and, and Judea and Arabia surrounding that. And then uh, you can see the furthest place mentioned is Rome um, in this context. And you've got all of these other places mentioned. So you've got people from, there's at least 15 different nations mentioned there. And in fact, in the text, it says every nation um, um, is, is represented. Um, and so you've got all these different people from all these different nations who... And, and 3,000 people from all these different nations become Christians in one day. So you've got these different people and diversity of people there. So sometimes when you think the early church was just Jews and kind of mono-ethnic. Well, it wasn't. It was very ethnically diverse, right? With people from all different nations and all different tongues and all different languages represented in there. Uh, I expect most of them could speak um, Hebrew, yeah, because they were in Jerusalem and, and must have been able to get by there. But they had their native tongue and their native tongue wasn't that. And, and they're saying, how come we're hearing this in the tongues, our native tongue and so on. And this is part of what ends up, ends up you know, recognising that Christianity is true. Um, so this real diversity of people in that original church. And I think churches are meant to be diverse. We've got a fantastically diverse group of people here. Um, in this room today, and, and you know, lots of different nations, ethnicities uh, represented. So diversity of ethnicity, diversity of nationality, but also diversity of age, and diversity of family status, and diversity of economic status, and diversity of educational status, and diversity of occupation, different kind of jobs that there are um, in, in represented here in this room today, and. That's also something that makes church different because what other group would you go to? What other club would you go to where you get such diversity of people in it? And yet we have this thing in common, which is deeper than all the differences, which is the faith in Jesus that we have, you know? And so, you know, we have this incredible shared experience of God's love 
that draws us together and unites us and these shared beliefs in what Jesus has done for us and what the Bible teaches um, to us and shared values of what's right, what the world ought to be like and how we want to pray for God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, as it says in the Lord's Prayer. And so a shared vision of what society should be like and shared aims of what we want God to do and how we want God to work in our midst um, and shared passion for Jesus and for the truth and for Christianity and for the gospel to reach more and more people. And you know, part of a family, part of a community, these things are really powerful in uniting people from all different backgrounds, all different perspectives, all different ages, all different whatever. And you know, sometimes I've been in a church and I've thought, oh, I'm the only one who's you know, like this or does this kind of job, whatever. And I think God's saying, well, good. You know, because actually you need to meet with people who are different to you. And actually it's good for you because if you don't do that, you know, I could, you know, if I wasn't in church, I could have spent my entire life meeting people and interacting with people who are only like me. People who work in the same kind of field as me and people who think the same kind of way as me and people who have the same kind of status as me in different areas and ways. And then I'd never be challenged. I'd never hear different perspectives and never learn from people who have different perspectives and different lifestyles and who are older than me or who are younger than me, who have different occupations, different experiences to me, very different experiences to me. And that is one of the benefits of church, that you get that, you know, and we have that. And we have people with all these different backgrounds and experiences and, 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 and you know, and occupations and callings. And, but there's something incredibly powerful that unites us, that faith in Jesus, that unites us. And we've all got something to learn from each other, haven't we? You know, I talked last week about the body of Christ and how, you know, one part can't say to you, I don't need you. Let's think about it in this context of the diversity. We need that diversity, don't we? Because it challenges us, it speaks to us, it opens us up, it sort of you know, it gives us these different perspectives and it enables us to grow and challenge each other and build each other up and learn from each other. And we need some of that. And, you know, fortunately we have a lot of that um, in our church today. And this, this shared faith that we have means that I can meet someone from a completely different nation in a completely different context and immediately, you know, the shared faith and the shared knowledge of Jesus and the shared experience of God's love is so powerful that we can relate on a deep level very, very quickly, which couldn't happen without that shared faith that we have. You know, that's how deep it is and that's how significant it is and that's kind of how fellowship works um, in terms of between us and stuff. And so we need and, and benefit from the diversity of people in the church as we share fellowship together. Um, and then I want to turn to uh, one other passage um, in 1 John. And uh, 1 John chapter 1 um, mentions the word, that word fellowship, four times in the space of um, about four verses. Um, let's just read it and see what we can learn from that. One John one verses five to seven. Three to seven, apologies. 
That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have relationship with one another, fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So you see some interesting points about fellowship here. One is this, they're proclaiming Jesus. They're proclaiming the gospel. We're proclaiming it to you. Why? So that you can have fellowship with us, so that you can share this faith with us. See, that's kind of like purpose of evangelism. We want to share. We want you to share this faith with me. We want you to share this experience. We want you to have this shared experience and we want you to share the kind of things that I'm seeing in terms of answers to prayer and God speaking to me and God being so part of my life and knowing that God loves me and all that. I want you to share this fellowship. There's a motivation for evangelism right there. Come and be part of the fellowship, but you have to believe it. You have to accept it. You have to experience it for yourself and then you can be part of this fellowship. Then you can be part of this community. We want you to have fellowship with us. That's why we proclaim the gospel. That's why we talk about Jesus with other people. And then it says that fellowship is not just with each other. It's also with the Father and with Jesus. So this is our aspect. We have fellowship with God himself. Right? We share our lives with God himself. And he shares something of his life with us. And that's kind of the essence of what Christianity is. This is where, you know, Becca was talking about the Trinity being a relational God. And relationship is absolutely core to Christianity. And, and Christianity, in a way, could be defined as being in relationship with God. And God is a relational being. He's a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's been in relationship for all eternity, relating, interacting as a trinity, having fellowship, if you like, between themselves as a trinity all through eternity. Contrast, by the way, the Islamic god Allah, who's just a monadic being that can't relate. There's no relatability to Allah. That's not an emphasis in, in Islam at all. There's no sense of when I get to heaven, I relate to Allah. That's not in there at all. Allah is just a monadic kind of odd being, whereas, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a relational being. And what does he want from us? Relationship. And so Christianity is all about relationship. Relationship is absolutely central to it, and that's what fellowship is about too. And so, you know, we, we relate to God and we share with God and have fellowship with God. And you do that in your own times when you pray and listen to him and worship. That's all kind of fellowship with God. And then you have fellowship with one another as well as you share, pray for each other and worship together and all that kind of stuff. And this is what Christianity is about. Did you realize, have you, have you realized, by the way, that relationships are the most valuable thing that you have in this world? 
right? They're the only thing you get to take into eternity. Isn't that true, right? I'm sorry you're not going to take any of that money. You're not going to take your house. You're not going to take your guitar or your car. That's not you, but your relationships, they will actually survive into eternity, right? And you'll recognize people in eternity. And, you know, it's so important. Right? Imagine that, you know, relationships, the most valuable thing. You know, if you want to invest in heaven, invest in relationships, right? You want to, you want to, you know, this is the most important thing to invest in, your relationships with people. It's the most valuable thing that you have in the world, your relationships. It's the, you know, this is the emphasis of Christianity, relationship, love each other, relationship, relationship. Okay? And then it goes on to say here, um, he wants your joy to be complete, which is about fellowship, enjoying fellowship. And this is the message we have, proclaim to you that God is light. And if we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in the darkness, we're not in the truth. So, you know, you can only really have fellowship if you're walking in the light, which since God is light, it means walking in God, right? Are you walking with God? Are you walking in God's light, right? That is how you have fellowship. You've got to be walking in God to do it. And, um, but if you are walking in light as he is in light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. And I think, you know, maybe part of this walking in the light thing as well is being open. You know, what does light do? It shines, it reveals, reveals things, right? There's no hidden things anymore when you, put it, when you shine the light on. When you turn the light on in the room, it's suddenly you can see everything. And walking in the light, I think, means walking in a way that is you're open and vulnerable with the people that you're relating to open and vulnerable with them. You're, you're not trying to hide. There's no darkness. You're not trying to hide what's really going on in your life. You're open and vulnerable with them. That's walking in the light. And that is then deep fellowship because you're able to say, listen, I'm struggling in this area. Look, God, I don't sense God's not quite sure what God's doing with me now. You know, I don't understand why this is happening in my life. You're, that's walking in the light. That's being open and vulnerable. That's sharing. That's sharing your life with other people, isn't it? And this is something really you're only going to get to do in a small group. And, you know, we've been talking about life groups. Um, Sam and Sam aren't here today, but last week, if you were here, they gave a great presentation about uh, life groups or small groups, meeting people's homes, says that in Acts chapter 2. They met in people's homes, they shared meals together. And meeting week on week, that is how you build fellowship. That is how you build relationship. That is how you are able to be vulnerable and open and learn from each other and support each other, and love each other, and <coughs> share with each other, and have deep fellowship and relationship. You know, I loved Taryn's testimony about, I used to sit at the back and hide away at church, and now somebody was bugging me to come to a life group, and eventually she went along, and there she found relationship. <coughs> and, and it became such a deep relationship that she's still friends with those people now, some years later. And they're meaningful friends because, why? Because she shared her life with them and they shared their lives with her and that becomes a deep and meaningful thing whoever it is and they might be very different people they might be different all different experiences and backgrounds whatever else but they shared and opened up their lives together and that becomes a very meaningful relationship and you're sharing and you're open you're vulnerable and you're asking for prayer for things and that is how you develop relationship. that is how fellowship happens and so you know, in order to really have fellowship, you need to be, I suggest, in a small group. 
you know, and if you're not in one, please look at the website, please look at that barcode, please grab Simon and Tara another time or talk to me or someone else, you know, get involved in one because that is how you need it. That's how you get fellowship, true fellowship, being vulnerable, open, asking for prayer, getting people to pray for you, praying for other people and sharing experiences and sharing your life together. And that is how you have fellowship and that is how you grow as a Christian um, together with other people. So it says there we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And in case you thought the Holy Spirit was missing, there he is. Um, this verse is read out at the end of Anglican services most weeks, isn't it? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Forever and ever and ever. Amen. We're not finishing the service now, sorry. Okay. Um, but that's what they say, isn't it? They read that verse out or they, they quote that verse every time at the end of Anglican services. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, right? And what does that mean? Again, you know, the Holy Spirit being in your life and you experiencing God's love through the Holy Spirit and listening to God through the Holy Spirit and sensing the Holy Spirit working through you and sensing the Holy Spirit being on you and with you and beside you at all times. That is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So you have fellowship with one another and fellowship um, with the Holy Spirit. And that comes through a life of prayer. And once again, <coughs> what is it? It's a relationship. It's relational. Um, which comes back into this verse, which I created last week, but it's such an important verse in this context, isn't it? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so here is the kind of differential characteristic of church. Again, you can go to a social club, you know, whatever, you know, social club, so on. You won't see the kind of love that you should see in a church in another setting. That's what this is saying, all right? You can go to whatever other context you might see, but the kind of sacrificial love that there should be between Christians in a church is something you're not going to see somewhere else because they've shared deeply and they care for each other and they look after each other and they go out of their way and that this is a kind of sacrificial love that they have for each other that that is what is people are going to say, wow, you know, what is this? You know, how do they have that? You know, and they're thinking, well, it, you know, there's something different about these people and I can see the difference here is the way they love each other, the way they love each other. And that comes from fellowship. And that is you know, part of what fellowship is about, is loving each other, this kind of sacrificial love for each other. And again, it's all about relationships, all about investing in relationships, all about relating to each other a deep way, relating to each other in a personal way, and being in community with each other. Um, sharing, serving, loving, caring, giving, all of those kind of things are what it takes to be in relationship or to be in fellowship with one another. So I just want to ask you, how are you doing in being in fellowship with other Christians? How are you doing in being in fellowship with people in this community? If you're not in a life group, maybe you should think about being in one. If you're in a life group, how can we deepen the fellowship in that life group? How can we make it better in terms of you know, deeper relationships, deeper fellowship in that life group? 
Um, maybe there are other people that God's calling you to have fellowship with in the workplace or other contexts or other things. You know, how do you invest in relationships? How are you investing in fellowship in your own life? Let's stand and we'll just pray um, about that as I close. I just want to um, give you a bit of space now to um, just listen to God and ask God. So maybe you already know what God's prompting you to do or how God's touching you through this, um, what I've been saying today. But I just want to give you a moment to connect your own prayers. And uh, maybe you need to resolve something. Um, how is this? idea of being in fellowship, sacrificial love with one another, investing in relationship, how is that challenging you today? Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for each person here in this room today. Thank you for the community that there is here in this church. Thank you for each of the life groups in this church as well. Um, we want to pray that you would deepen our fellowship and deepen our relationships. Help us be open and vulnerable. Break down the barriers. Break down the sense of not feeling worth it or what will they think and whatever else. Break down all of these barriers that we have, Lord. Help us be open, vulnerable. Help us learn from each other. Thank you that it's not an accident that we're here. And the people here in this group, the people here in our life groups are people that you've called us to love and called us to relate to and called us to build relationships with. And thank you that our faith can overcome all differences and barriers and all different experiences we may have had. Thank you that our experience of you is greater than all of that. And I pray that we would just grow in fellowship, grow in love, have a really deep love of each other, be sacrificial in love of each other, and grow in just how we invest in our relationships um, and show love to one another because that's what you've called us to do, Lord. Thank you that you're a relational God, and thank you that we have fellowship even with you as well. And we want to deepen our relationship with you as well and be conscious of you and aware of you and listen to you and, and know you deeper and share with you deeper. Just open our hearts, Lord, and touch us, and let us be the kind of people who are so known for loving each other and blessing each other and, and being there for each other and, and welcoming to other people as well to be part of our communities, deepen our fellowship and let it be a church that is known for this in Jesus' name. Amen.